sometimes controversial, always politically incorrect, and pro-life without exception, without compromise, and without apology. It's the Pro-Life America podcast with your hosts, Sarah Waits and the president of Life Dynamics, Mark Crutcher. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. As you heard, I'm Mark Crutcher and I'm joined by my worthy co-host, Sarah Waits. Hello everyone. Mark, there was an interesting story that caught both of our attentions recently. A mom named her baby Lucifer. If you think that we're making this up, we're not. This is a real 100% verifiable thing. The article is in the New York Post and she announced it on UK's popular Jeremy Kyle show, which at this point I'm kind of thinking is something like the Maury show, considering she named her baby Lucifer. I don't know. I mean, obviously you got all kinds of nutcases in the world that are liable to do anything. Yeah. But one of the things that, I don't know if you picked up on this, but they said this was kind of a trending name. Well, I read that in the article, and it was this Paula Redmond, the co-creator of Nameberry, who says that this is a bit of a trend. However, according to Nameberry, only six boys in the most recent year counted were named Lucifer. So I don't know how much of a trend that this really is. But it is true that people will name their babies after their favorite characters on movies and TV shows. That's why babies' names like Edward and Isabella or Bella you know, from Twilight, mm. became real popular a few years back. She's, here, I don't think this has anything to do with TV, though. Although, she did say that she was going to name her baby Narnia if it was a girl. So, maybe it is. What kind of nutcase does this? She's complaining because she claims she's getting death threats over yeah. this. Which, I don't know if that's true or not. But um, I think she's probably catching a lot of criticism. Now, there could be some people out there who could be threatening her, which I think is over the top. Yeah. But forget what effects this has had on her. Mm -hmm. Has she thought about the effects of this on this child for the rest of his life? Yeah. He better find him a really good nickname. Uh, Louie. Louie or something that he can uh, go by because this is going to cause this baby a lot of problems throughout his life. She said that the reason for the name was nothing satanic. She said, the devil is not the meaning of my son's name. And that she confessed to recently learning the meaning of the word atheist after it was used to describe her own non-religious beliefs. I don't know where she got this from, but the name Lucifer does not mean atheist. <laughs> the name means morning star or as an adjective, light bringer or light bearer. And it was the original name for the planet Venus because of this. But it also had to do with the Bible in Isaiah 14, 12. So there's no reference to atheism with this name. She said that she had family members saying, you can't call him that. But I said, I'm not religious, so it doesn't stand for what other people think it stands for. Just because right. you're not religious doesn't mean that all of a sudden the meaning of that word goes away. Well, there's been several studies done over the years mm -hmm. about how what you name your child affects how the world views that child. Mm -hmm. For example, when we were adopting Sheila, yeah. we chose the name Sheila because we wanted something that was kind of feisty and... Well, and, you got it. <laughs> yeah, we got that, didn't we? We got more than we Mission bargained, accomplished. More than we bargained for there. But, you know, Sheila is a more feisty name and people do treat a kid named Sheila differently in the very beginning than they treat a kid named Jane or something like that, you know, that that's a perfectly good name, but it just has a different connotation to it. You know, there's certain names for males, for example, that they say that you're more successful if you have that name. I could see that. People perceive you a little bit differently. Perceive maybe. you as a little bit yeah. different, yeah. Especially when they're only 
encounter or they're only reference to you is maybe on paper. I could see how people would think yeah. of you differently based on your name. Right. Uh, my prediction is that this kid is probably going to go by a middle name and potentially even change their name when they become an adult. When he gets, <laughs> yeah, gets his own uh, say in the matter. Lucas anyway, or something. Anyway, if you think that words are not important or rhetoric is not important, yeah. you're certainly wrong about that as it applies to the abortion issue. And the people who are most aware of this, of course, is the abortion lobby. Yeah. And they don't even like to use the word abortion. That's why, for example, they change their names and take out the word abortion because they know it's a negative connotation. Well, it's also the same reason why they try to not call us pro-life, but call us anti-choice. Yeah, because or pro-birth or any of the other. Um, now, the ACLU, which is, of course, the American Civil Liberties Union or American mm -hmm. Criminal Liber Liberties Union, um, which is a radically pro-abortion organization, as we all know, has yeah. come out with a, a pretty slick ad campaign. Of course, they've got the money to do that with. So oh, yeah. Put out by a company called Oberlin. Uh -huh. And the ad campaign is designed, and they openly state this, mm -hmm. the ad campaign is designed to get people to change their views of abortion by not referring to it as abortion, but referring to it as forced pregnancy. This where, reminds you of the Handmaiden's Tale. The red costumes with the hoods that the pro-choice side yeah, likes to wear. Right. Basically, the premise of that is that some women are forced to carry children in that series because a number of women can't have babies. No pro-lifers out there forcing women to get pregnant. We're not for forcing women, non-pregnant women to go out there and get pregnant. That's not what this issue is about. Yeah, they would have you believe that, you know, you and I spend our nights marauding around the countryside looking for unpregnant women and tell them, hey, you got to get pregnant. You got to get pregnant. We're not going to stand for this. You got to have a baby. Yeah. And I would challenge anyone on the pro-abortion side, pro-choice, whatever you want to call these degenerates. Give me one example anywhere in the history of this battle where the pro-life movement has said that women have some sort of obligation to be pregnant or to get pregnant and should be required to have babies. We have never once done that, and they know that's true. And to say that opposing abortion is the same thing as forcing women to be pregnant mm -hmm. is like saying that if we tell men they can't kill their five-year-olds, that we're forcing them to have children. Or forcing them into fatherhood. It's the most mm -hmm. preposterous thing in the world. But one of the things that it, if you read between the lines in the article that was put out by PR Week on this issue and talking about this ad campaign, it's rife with admissions by the other side that mm -hmm. they're losing. They're openly saying, we've got to change the narrative here. And they're trying to change the narrative from talking about abortion to talking about forced pregnancy. And that you and I, our issue isn't really abortion, our issue is forcing women to be pregnant and stay pregnant. It's the most dishonest and outrageous argument that you can possibly imagine. But they're spending a ton of money mm -hmm. on this and it's gonna be in, um, regular advertising on television, apparently, but mostly they're focusing in on the internet. And well, I can tell you why. It's because studies are showing that most people who label themselves pro-choice do not support abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason whatsoever. Right. If you poll the average American, that's not what they support. They're not quite as pro-choice as they'd like them to be. Only a 
tiny mm-hmm. fraction yeah. of people say they support unrestricted abortion on demand, you know, through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason whatsoever, no reason whatsoever by a girl of any age mm-hmm. without parental consent or parental knowledge. Yeah. And they know that this perception doesn't just affect its legality, which is the biggest hurdle for them, but it also affects things like who will get abortions? How many people will get abortions? Right. Make no mistake, for the abortion industry, abortion is a product. Just like a Big Mac is a product for McDonald's. Right. Their goal is to sell. And anybody who thinks otherwise that they're out there for the care of women is deluding themselves. Or they're part of the delusion, one or the other. They're trying to push the delusion. Yeah. But this ad campaign, um, I think it's interesting. First off, because if you, like I said, if you read the article about it in PR Week, you see that clearly the pro-aborts, and they're, in this case, their ad agency, mm-hmm. they're openly admitting between the lines that they're losing. And this is kind of a Hail Mary pass that they're trying here. That's not to say that we couldn't still lose and that they couldn't still win. But mm-hmm. right now, they know that things are not going in their direction, and that's clear. And they're openly stating they're wanting to change the narrative. Get people to stop thinking about abortion in the way they think about it now and get them to start thinking about it in the context of forced pregnancy. They're trying to make this as a a woman's rights issue as opposed to a human rights issue. They understand that they have to separate biological realities from everybody's mind. If they can get people to stop thinking about the biological reality that a new human life is created at the moment of conception, no matter what term you give it, it is still a human life that is entitled to the same rights as a five-year-old. If you get them to separate from that, then maybe they can swing the argument of abortion should be legal. And so that's really their goal, is just to separate everybody from the facts. I used to teach this in my seminars 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's typical that the abortion industry realizes they have to control the language in order to sell abortion. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if the language is accurate or not accurate, they have to control the language. It's like how they always are calling the unborn a fetus as if suddenly it's different and somehow it's not human. Well, a fetus is just a term for a stage in development. A a baby who has not been born yet, who is past the embryonic stage, that's it. That's no different than a human being being called a child or a teenager. Those are just terms for stages of life and terms of development. That's it. It doesn't change the nature and the biological reality of what they are. Yeah, it's like a guy going to being accused of killing a toddler. And Mm -hmm. he says, well, I didn't kill a human being. I killed a toddler. Yeah. Well, that's the same as saying, I didn't kill a human being. I killed a fetus. There is no difference. It's just different stages of human development. Exactly. But this is another example of A, they know they're losing and B, they know they have to change the narrative. They're desperate to change the way the American people see abortion. Speaking of changing the narrative, the other big thing that they do besides talking about how pro-life equals forced pregnancy. They're also talking about how abortion restrictions are racist. They're calling it outright racism. Yeah, and that's really interesting. Um, if you think about MAFA 21 mm-hmm. and how we documented absolute irrefutable documentation, proof mm-hmm. that the motivation for the legalization of abortion was racial genocide and eugenics. Yeah. And then when you look at the fact that black women make up about 12% 
of all American women, but they have almost 40% of the abortions. Mm -hmm. And you start looking at the numbers yeah. and, and the targeting that we proved in our racial targeting report, which you can go online and read. Mm -hmm. And I'll put the link to that in the description for those who are wanting to read it. It's but when you see how they've been specifically targeted to now come out here and say, oh, but efforts to ban abortion are racial too. So it's racial if you do it, it's racial if you don't do it. <laughs> I don't know how that works. But yeah, you've got these articles now that are coming out, and it's interesting how the media is playing their role in all of this. There's a new article out called Minority Women Most Affected If Abortion is Banned or Limited. And in this article, I think it's interesting, they, put, they say, the anti-abortion movement has often portrayed the abortion fight in racial terms, making it seem like it's us who's doing the racial stuff, not them. Right. They're just responding and looking out for minority women. When, if you go back and look at Biafra 21 and everything that's laid out there, the ones who made it racial, it's them. And they're ratcheting it up now. Mm -hmm. There's a really good line from Alveda King, the niece of Martin Luther King, who's in Biafra 21. And I'm going to go ahead and play that for you guys, because I think it's a really well put line. We need to remember that over 60 years ago, a man who could today be called the father of modern day eugenics proposed that population control clinics be concentrated in minority neighborhoods. And now today, the vast majority of Planned Parenthood clinics are located in our neighborhoods. Are we really so naive to believe that this is all a coincidence? We all know that drugs, alcohol, and tobacco are devastating, especially in the black community. We know that the big corporations target us with the ads and the marketing campaigns. And yet, we don't notice that Planned Parenthood is doing the very same thing. We need to pay attention to the fact that in the 1960s, when we as African Americans began to demand our civil rights, for the first time in American history, there began a widespread cry in our government for legalized abortion. Was that coincidence too? Or could it be that when we said we would no longer sit on the back of the bus, a place was being reserved for us down at the abortion clinic? You can't make it more succinct than that. No, uh-uh. I mean, that's exactly what, what we've seen happen. And now you have these people coming out saying, oh yeah, efforts to stop abortion are racially motivated. As if the targeting of the African-American community and other minorities by the placement of the clinics, by the ad campaigns, by the efforts of the abortion industry that they've been openly doing for all these years, as if that's not racially motivated. There's no axiom in marketing. Mm -hmm. That is, when you have a product that has defects in it, mm -hmm. and you're concerned that your opponent or the people you're selling against mm -hmm. are going to bring that up, the smartest thing for you to do is to bring it up yourself and sell it as an advantage. And it's called hanging a lantern. If you hang a lantern on your defect, nobody looks at it. And that's what the abortion industry is doing right here. They're hanging a lantern on the racism that's in abortion and trying to change the narrative around mm -hmm. so that it looks like they are being targeted as if the pro-life community would probably disband today if we couldn't target blacks. Yeah. Well, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. That's crapola. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's not just crap, it's crapola. <laughs> it's crapola. And these people know that it is. Yeah. But they don't care. 
because what they know, also know is... It's not about facts, it's about winning. Well, they also know too that they can come out here and make these outrageous statements that they're making and the media won't call them on it. Yeah. It is so aggravating how many times I have seen either Life Dynamics or other pro-life organizations or pro-life individuals mm -hmm. either attempt to buy ads or have something said in the media or whatever, and the media come back and say, well, we fact-checked that and it's not true, so we're not going to publish it. How many years did they say that Margaret Sanger was not racist, that Margaret Sanger wasn't a eugenicist? How many years, despite the fact that she was blatantly tied up in all of that? And that's a good example of what I'm talking about because many, many years ago I had situations where I would see pro-life organizations make that argument about Margaret Sanger only to have the article either not published or the ad not accepted. They would actually reject a paid ad mm -hmm. and say, well, you can't prove that she was a racist. Uh, yeah, we can. Yeah, actually we can. <laughs> but we fact-checked it and she was not a racist and she didn't promote abortion. Didn't she but say that one of the most that, merciful but, things a family can do is kill their children? Yeah, but they're not doing that today. There's yeah. no fact-checking on all this nonsense that the pro-aborts are putting out, and especially about this thing uh, dealing with minorities. Well, and especially with the political climate it is, that it is right now. You had Planned Parenthood going, oh, Margaret Sanger is wonderful, to quietly discontinuing their highest award, which is the Margaret Sanger Award, to all of a sudden now, in 2020, 2021, at the height of all this, taking her name off of their New York facility and releasing an article in the New York Times saying, yeah, we've got to confront the legacy of Margaret Sanger. And finally admitting things to try to get out ahead of all of this. That the pro-life movement had been saying for years. Yeah, exactly. And there's another way to look at this too. I would tell these people, if you're concerned that this is going to affect minority women more than non-minority women. Mm -hmm. Another way to look at that is that minority babies will now be protected at a higher rate than white babies will. Yeah. For the first time, that's what will happen. Because abortion isn't just decreasing the African-American population. It's also decreasing their political power, which is something that I think we need to reinforce because that's less black lives who can vote who can make a change, who can have an impact in their communities. Absolutely. You know, I wrote an article not a couple of years ago, and I put it even in my book, Siege. Mm -hmm. There has been no greater tool for black voter suppression than abortion. I challenge anyone to come forward and tell me, you know, we have all this nonsense right now about people being denied the right to vote. Mm -hmm. Come forward and show me that there's anything out there that has suppressed the black vote more than abortion. Come mm -hmm. forward and tell me what it is. Show me the numbers. Yeah. I want to see it because abortion has decreased black participation in the political process by millions of yeah. votes, millions of votes. So this whole thing is nonsense, but it goes back to what we talked about before about controlling the narrative. And just like they're doing in the forced pregnancy thing that we talked about earlier in the show, They've got to do whatever they can do. And this is another example, when you read between the lines of all mm -hmm. these things about minorities, they recognize, when I say they, the abortion lobby, recognizes that they're losing. Yeah. And these are all Hail Mary passes that they're throwing. I find it interesting that the time that they really, really heavily hit on abortion restrictions being racist is, is at the time that their own racism is being exposed. Not only Margaret Sanger's, but the BuzzFeed article talking about former Planned Parenthood NARAL employees coming out and saying, these organizations 
are for white women by white women. They have racism in these organizations, and at the same time, the media completely ignores that article and pushes abortion restrictions are racist. Well, it's it, a distraction. It, what, what you're referring to is several employees of mm -hmm. these organizations have come forward. Not just employees, but there was one who was a board member. Yes. You had several of these people coming out saying, look, I've remained silent long enough. We have got to recognize that there is overt racism within the abortion industry, within mm -hmm. the abortion lobby. Overt racism. Yeah. And that it's everywhere and it's endemic. Mm -hmm. Well, the media never gave much play to that. No, it didn't. But what if you had some people from various pro-life groups come out and say, I left because I saw examples of overt racism in the pro-life community. If that had come out, that would be front page news. It, it, we, the media would be like, look, see, we've been saying this for years. But I've never seen anything remotely approaching that. And I've been at this almost 40 years. Yeah. But in the abortion lobby, it's apparently pretty well known and pretty widespread from what all these former employees are saying. But the media keeps their mouth shut, which is their job to do in a situation like that and make sure that the abortion industry is insulated from any kind of blowback from that. And so it just continues to go on. Now, Mark, there's something that I think we need to address because this is a question that I've heard several times and you answer it really well. When we talk about the amount of African-Americans who are having abortions and how it's genocide, they'll look at the study and they say, okay, yes, African-Americans make about 40% nationwide of the abortions, but 60% are white. So how can you say that it's black genocide when it's a 60-40 deal? Well, if the issue is not the absolute numbers. The issue is the percentage of the population. Exactly. And if you've got only 12% uh, of the population having 40% of the abortions, yeah. you've got major problems. And if you just break that down and you look at the numbers, and I've done this before, what it all comes down to is that a black baby is between four and five times as likely to be aborted as a white baby. Mm -hmm. And that's just the reality. Those are the numbers. They're the numbers that are put out by the abortion industry. Yeah. So they can't deny it. So the issue is not that there's absolutely more abortions in the black community than there are in the white community. There's not. There's more in the white community. It's about community. proportions. It's about the percentage of a population. Right. And in this article that's talking about abortion restrictions are racist, they even admit in Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, You'll see statistics listed in here. African-Americans or people of color comprise 44% of this state's population, but 80% of the women of the abortions. 59% of the population receiving 74% of the abortions. 35% of the population, 70% of the abortions. They admit this in the same article and then turn around and say, oh, but the restrictions are racist. Right. Let's not look at black genocide. That's just something that the pro-lifers are doing to distract you. Yep. It's more examples of the utter deception that these people have to engage in in mm -hmm. order to justify abortion. If you tell the truth, there's no way that you can ever justify the wholesale slaughter of the unborn. It can't be done. Yeah. And uh, this is a good example of it, but it's also a good example of the fact that they know they're losing. Yep. And that should be an encouragement to us. So this stuff is aggravating and it's frustrating. And especially when you see the media and Hollywood and the academic community cover up for them. But the fact is, they've been doing that for 40, over 40 years, almost 50 years now, and we're still winning. So don't be discouraged by this when you see these things going on and nobody bringing it out in the media, especially, because they, that's what's been going on for the last 50 years and we're still winning. 
So don't be discouraged by it. Anyway, that's all I got. You got anything else? We encourage everybody to follow the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast is available on so many different apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, the list goes on. So I recommend everybody follow on there and then get your friends to do the same thing. Absolutely. They'll get information in here that they won't get anywhere else and ideas here mm -hmm. that they won't get anywhere else. And yep. we've got a lot of things planned for this year that I think are going to be very, very interesting for people to listen to. So anyway, get out there and knock them alive. <laughs> Right? You've heard the knock them dead, right? Speaking of language manipulation, the pro-choicers are going to release this clip and say that you're telling people to go be violent. <laughs> no, I said get out there and knock them alive. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's all the time we have until next Thursday. Remember, Life Dynamics is not here to put up a good fight. Mm -mm, we're here to win. Because winning is how the killing stops. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.